Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. And we are live here with Devin Gage, the owner of Gage Strength Training in Westchester, Pennsylvania. How are you, Devin? I'm doing great, man. I'm honored to be on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on for the inaugural episode of Move Philadelphia, where we're trying to just make connections and interview all the the movers and shakers and influencers in the Philadelphia and surrounding areas fitness scene. And you're doing something really special with what you've created in in Westchester. So why don't you give us a little bit of your history, a brief bio of, you know, what makes you you, and then we'll get into, you know, the the fitness space that you kind of have gotten into and how you found your niche and, and tell us about some of the the things that you're doing with your gym. And um, to me, it's something very special that you've created. And I think the Westchester community, um, especially has really kind of um, embraced you with some of the influence that you're having on on um, its residents. Um, so let's get into a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, man, started the gym back in 2012. Um, I actually was not originally from Westchester. So um, my family was from the Havertown area. And uh, I went to college out in Reading, and my daughter was born right when I graduated college, literally the day I graduated college. Um, and I was kind of working as a personal trainer out in Reading, where I was um, working at a Gold's Gym throughout my college career, just kind of as a side job. And you know, I, I was actually in school to be a criminal justice major. And I wanted to go into law enforcement, but when my daughter was born, I realized uh, I was a single dad from the from the very beginning. So I, I kind of realized um, it was going to be really difficult for me to be a single father without really a lot of family really close by and go through the academy and you know work whatever shifts I was going to have to be working as a in law enforcement. So while I was trying to figure out my life, I continued my job as a personal trainer. And just really kind of committed to that, you know, going into it, I always loved it. I just never knew that you could do that as a career. I just thought it was like people were personal trainers on the side of whatever else they were doing. And it was kind of just like a really small part of, you know, a really small side hustle. Um, But I grew a bunch of clientele. I I branched off to where I started picking up in-home clients around the main line, uh, like in Delaware County, in the main line area. And when that really kind of picked up, I was like, oh, wow, like this is something that I could, I'm making like pretty good money. And I, I kind of worked another job. I was working in a, my stepmom owns a ballet shoe company that I was working in their warehouse at the same time as well. So I was working in the warehouse, uh, the ballet company. I was training some in-home personal training clients. And I had this uh, personal training job at the Gold's Gym in Reading, Pennsylvania. So I was driving all the way back and forth from Reading to Philadelphia area. And every day it was just a lot of travel and driving. And, um, eventually I just decided like, uh, one, I was the worst employee in the world, uh, at this ballet shoe warehouse. Just, I hated the job. Sorry, Irene. Um, but (laughs) just a bad employee and I, I really hated the job. So I was like, I can't do this. I can't work a regular job. I've never been a good employee. 
So maybe fitness is something that I can really get into and, and you can make a career out of it. And so then I was like, what am I going to do? Uh, I was a huge fan of like the hardcore garage gym lifestyle. So like mentors like Zach Evan Ash, Elliot Hulse at the time, um, guys like Joe DeFranco and some of these like really hardcore, you know, bare bones uh, garage gym places. So I was like, I'm going to rent a garage out and just train like really hardcore lifestyle people, fitness people and athletes and strongmen and powerlifters. And so then I was like looking for a warehouse and I was going all the way from Reading to Philadelphia and I was taking 76 and Westchester is just the one exit between kind of, you know, on 76 between the two. So I found a warehouse here and just open, you know, uh, sign the lease and kind of that the rest is history. Um, that's how I ended up here. I had never been to Westchester before. Uh, I don't know anybody in West. Or I hadn't known anybody in Westchester. And going into this, I actually had no idea the like mental distance between the main line and Westchester. Because when I opened the gym, I went to all my main line in-home personal training clients. I was like, guess what, guys? I, uh, I'm opening a gym. You guys can all come out and work out at my studio in Westchester now. And every single one of them was like, uh... Yeah, we're not going to do that. So there was a good period of time where I was training all of my in-home clients and I was just paying rent for this space and um, for like a couple months. And I didn't have one client in Westchester. And I was like, what am I going to do? I Nobody wants to come out here. I have no contacts in Westchester. And I worked with a mentor uh, of mine that I still work with today. And he was like, listen, you're going to think I'm crazy, but if you really want to own a gym and, and you know really grow this thing – you've got to fire all of your one-on-one clients and just commit to Westchester. So that's what I did. And, um, now we're here. Uh, it started as just really that, uh, all homemade equipment, um, battle ropes, uh, tractor tires, uh, sledgehammers, just like as bare bones as it gets. We didn't even have floors. It was like untreated concrete floors, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of my, my origin story. That's that's where we started. And it was about a 1,200 square foot warehouse in Westchester um, with zero contacts. Yeah, that story, that's such a great story. And I think a lot of fitness pros can relate to that story where it's the hustle at the the beginning where you're, fit, you're trying to do some in-home stuff. You're trying to do some stuff in the gym. And then you just have to decide you're going to take the leap like it sounds like you did. And, you know, that's a hard decision to make. Yeah. And it really was that it was like, you just had to commit and, uh, like just go into that sink or swim mentality. And I literally, I fired all my clients and just started walking around Westchester and popping into businesses and meeting people. And I went to Staples and I had like some really, really horrible flyers made that I made in like Microsoft word. Mm -hmm. Um, back, back then there weren't all these like fancy, you know, tech stuff to do that. Yeah, that's kind of that's how it started. Right. So now you've been around for you say about eight years. Uh, this fall will be ten years, and which is super impressive for a small business, especially a small business in the fitness space. And you've grown to you're pushing three hundred members at this point. Uh, four hundred. So we're, we're right around four hundred clients right now, which is amazing. So you grew from this twelve hundred square foot bare bones homemade equipment space into why don't you tell us about so you started out wanting to train the hardcore powerlifters and 
like the meathead type person, it sounds like. And now why don't you tell us about the the population that you've grown to find your niche with um, and even tell us about during COVID, it seems like you were able to sustain and grow during that period of time to now you're at your most members ever, right? Yeah. What's your story and how you started with a certain population, you your ideal population to now where you are now? Who are you, who are you serving and how did you get to where you are? Yeah. So when I started the gym, I really wanted to specialize in athletes. I think like a lot of young fitness professionals, it's alluring um, and it seems more exciting and fun to train like stud athletes. So that's what I went into. My logo was very geared towards that. It was like a bending barbell. Um, Our image was all like chains and, you know, black and red. And it was very geared towards like really hardcore athletes and lifters. Um, And I think like a lot of fitness professionals realize it's very hard to to really make it in the athlete market, especially with no contacts. Again, I was not from here. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't have any friends or coaches that I knew. Uh, My first contract, my first team or first athlete, uh, I guess, client was Bonner Baseball. So again, it took me back to Delco and it wasn't even in Westchester. So that was really uh, sobering to realize like, man, it's really hard for me to get athletes in the door. And I just was striking out everywhere. Um, So I really just, I started a Groupon and that was the very first thing that I did. And I got three people signed up for this Groupon that I didn't even get paid for right off the bat. It was like, they got some stupid deal Groupon, you know, it does a good job of like kind of screwing business owners over a lot of times. But, um, I got three people in the door and I just was like, all right, there's a glimmer of hope here for, you know, to get clients in the door and they were all adult fitness. And I, I honestly just fell in love with, adult fitness. I, it was just something where I could be myself. I could talk to them. I didn't feel like I had to be like a coach and mentor. I could be more friends and, uh, coach them in fitness, but also just develop great relationships. And I just kind of fell in love with the adult fitness market. So those first couple of years was really the logo and everything was the same. That imagery was the same. And that really, really hurt me. And it made it very difficult for us to grow. Um, because, you know, I, I use the reference of like, if somebody was adult fitness wise, scrolling through Google of local gyms in the area, they search, you know, ACAC, which is a popular gym here, YMCA, LA fitness, planet fitness. And then it was like gauge strength training with a bending barbell and black and red. It's like, they're not stopping on that listing because it's not going to speak. It's not really not speaking to them at all. Um, and it was probably intimidating and scaring more people off than anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I think I, it really was a grind getting those first 50 to a hundred clients in the gym. Um, because I had to overcome one that I looked like a total meathead and I looked like just, I had a shaved head back then. I was like huge, um, so they had to get it by that because 90% of the people that would sit down and, and learn about the gym would be like, well, I don't want to look like you. So how are we going to do this? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to train you like I train. Um, and then the website and everything I had to overcome as well. So that was really the start. Um, I fell in love with adult fitness. Um, it just came really naturally to me to connect with these clients. And, um, eventually we, we did rebrand into kind of what you see now, which is, the little gym with a big heart. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the grand 
summary. And, and how would you describe your main population now? So we try and typically people over 40 that want to lose weight. Um, and again, I, I really fa- fell in love with that demographic just because I just see the biggest change in them and we have the biggest influence on them. You know, mm-hmm. I had that realization years ago where it was like, yeah, we could train athletes that, you know, we shave a little bit of time off a 40 yard dash or we get them a little bit stronger, throw a little bit harder. But, you know, if I can take a mom or a dad and get them from like not having the being in so much pain, just living their daily lives to, having energy to keep up with their young kids or excel in their career because they've got, they're more productive and more energized and more confident. That really inspires me. And that's what really, really gets me up in the morning every day. Yeah. I think that could be huge, hugely impactful, especially with all the things you just described and making sure they're the best mother, father, wife, husband they can be, and then making sure they're there for their kids and being able to you know, continue to play with their kids as they age and they're not being held back by some of the common problems you see in the 40 plus population. Um, so I think that, that that's it. It's it, huge. It was really a realization I had was like, your, your body shouldn't hold you back from anything. Mm-hmm. And that was like, if I can, if I can get it, so your physical body's limitations are not a concern. Like that is winning in my book. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I know you use just because of that population and helping um, the or, over 40 crowd try to lose weight. You use a lot of psychology in someone and how you're getting people in. You're doing regular check ins. Um, t- tell us a little bit about that process, if you don't mind, where, you know, when someone comes into the gym, you're typically meeting with them first before they even get into a workout, aren't you? Yeah. So I would say 90% of clients I sit down with and we do like a one-on-one consult and just make sure that they're going to be a good fit and just try to um, learn everything I can about them and what's going to help them, what's going to provide the best experience for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the tools that we use, it's actually, I think it's pretty unique to what we do, Um, but there's a personality profile. It's called the DISC assessment. Um, And it essentially, it's a behavioral style that everybody has I mean, you kind of rank out of these four uh, behavioral profiles, the D, I, S, or C. Um, and the higher you rank is is just kind of like more of your behavioral style. So uh, I'll give you a summary. So a high D stands for dominance. Um, is like, I want to win. I want to be the best. I'm hard charging. Like, that's what matters to me. A high I is influence. And it's very uh, team oriented. It's they love high fives. They love being a part of a team. They love group stuff. Um, there's a there's the S, which is steady, um, and that is basically they love things to be steady. They don't like things to change. They don't like a lot of change. They don't like to rock the boat. They don't like surprises. Uh, and then there's C, which is compliance. Compliance is essentially a rule follower. They like things to be black and white. They like to understand why they do things. Um, so in those consults, when somebody wants to join the gym, we have a we have an assessment form that's, you know, your health history, injury history, uh, any aches and pains that you have, what do the trainers need to know to provide a great workout for you? But at the end, we have a series of questions that um, I tell them, I'm like, listen, these are kind of weird questions, but answer these uh, as closely as if I asked you them, you would speak out loud. And the way that they answer those questions tells me what profile they are. Are they a D, I, S, or C? 
Um, and when I know that, we know how to approach their training and their customer, their, their uh, membership experience, right? So if somebody comes in and they're a high D, they want to like, they want to leave just smoked, right? They want to mm-hmm. kill themselves in the gym. They want to be challenged. They're just waiting for you to challenge them. So like a trainer should go up to them and be like, Hey, like 30 pounds, like, mm-hmm. come on, let's go. Let's bump that up. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like, Hey, you see her, she did 30. How about you do 35? Right. That's, that's like the best thing you can do for that type of client. If somebody was an I, you want to make sure you introduce them to a lot of people, a lot of high fives. You want to make them feel like a part of a team and community and family. And that's what it's all about. It's very social. If they're an S, you don't want to rock the boat, right? When they come in, you want to tell them exactly what they can expect. Um, when they come in, you want to make sure that you're not throwing too many changes at them. Um, you want to remind them that, hey, you did this last week, so we're going to do this this week now because it's a little bit, you know, you're progressing a little bit, but it's not different. Um, and then if they're a C, you, it's like the C's are the easiest to identify, the C's and the D's, but the C's are very like, why am I doing this exact exercise? What is the benefit of this? And you just want to make sure that you're explaining, hey, today we're going to do squats because uh, you want to lose weight and squat is a full body exercise. We're going to do goblet squats. It's going to engage your core. You're going to burn a ton of calories. Like that's kind of the way you want to approach a C personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably a really unique uh, thing that we do with our clients. And I think it really, really in- improves the client experience with us. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Education Platform. Rise stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorships helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Yeah, no, I think that's huge because we we know fitness, it's, you know, there's all the intricacies of creating a workout, but I think the most successful trainers are the ones that influence the psychology of um the individual the most. And I think especially in your population where you're mostly dealing with weight loss individuals, um, psychology sometimes can be 75, if not more percent of that, of the battle of people wanting to lose weight. Yeah. And I think trainers fall into this trap of, it's like this advice trap Mm -hmm. where we want to tell people what to do. And, you know, it's this kind of counterintuitive thing with psychology is like the more you try to tell somebody what to do, the less likely they are to do it. Um, So you really need to help them find the solution on their own. Mm -hmm. And so it's the concept of motivational interviewing. Um, So motivational interviewing is a really great approach for coaches, um, but it's essentially like guiding them to come to the solution on their own versus telling them what to do. Because when you tell people what to do, there's always this, there's this like energetic pushback that they give you. So Mm -hmm. if you can kind of like hold up a mirror to what they're going through and just let them see it on their own, you're, you're going to be a lot more successful as a coach. So so how do you guys manage that between helping someone kind of come to the self-realization or versus like, no, you really, you need to be a little bit more stern and say, no, you have to do this. 
how do you manage the gray area of the ebbs and flows of that that continuum? So, I mean, I, I try to educate our coaches a lot on just those communication skills. So the tactics of motivational interviewing and really reflective listening. So mm-hmm. using reflective listening and really, really good questions, you're going to get all this stuff out of your clients. But again, the more you are confrontational or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, really, the more you tell them what to do, the less likely they are to do it. Um, there's a there's a word I'm blanking on right now, but it's basically it's just this mental pushback that they get. Mm-hmm. But so you're talking to a client, and you know you know they really need to lose weight. Um, just ask them really good questions. Like if they come to you for advice, again, you still want to refrain from giving that advice. You want to just, well, what do you think? Like, man, what do you think we should do? I'm like, well, like my eating's been really bad on the weekends. But like, yeah, like what do you, you know, where do you think you fall off track the worst? And be like, well, it's snacking. We're like, yeah. Well, you know, again, asking really good questions and eventually they kind of be like, I know that's, I know that's what I got to change. And be like, yeah, well, what do you, what do you think we could do about that? And they'd be like, well, maybe I could start writing down what I eat every day. And you're like, I think that's a great idea. You know, one of the things that I try to do is give permission instead of directives, right? So when we have a conversation like that and they're like, they come to that realization where they're like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should write down what I'm eating every day. Maybe that would help. And then instead of telling them to do that, I give them permission to be like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Like, why don't you circle back and let me know how that goes in a couple of days Um, versus they come to you for help and you're like, Hey, you really need to start writing down what you eat every day, weigh your food out. They're immediately going to just be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, like I, that's too much. That's too crazy. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just understanding like the psychology of behavior change and um, understanding that like pushback that happens when people get told what to do is important. Yeah. And I think what you just said is gold for the young trainer coming up who's just worried about trying to learn the, the latest and greatest training technique or making this little tweak in an exercise here. Um, I almost think that if you understand the foundation or the fundamentals of movement and exercise, but then you focus more on the psychology and the motivational interviewing and helping people come to their own conclusions, that's where you really start to see the change. And then you can go back and dial in some of the small intricacies of training. Um, But it's almost like the 80-20 rule. Most of the results you're going to get are with 80% of, or like the low-hanging fruit in fitness, right? Like you're not really making these huge tweaks. You just need people to be consistent and regular in attending their sessions and then helping them come to the conclusions with, you know, some of the sleep changes, the nutrition changes, or any of those other lifestyle choices that we don't necessarily have influence of in their couple hours a week with us. Um, So I think that's gold for the young trainer up and coming is start to look into some of the psychology of, um, you know, the motivational interviewing and helping people make their own choices and guiding, asking guiding questions to get them there. Yeah. And I'll I'll give you two things on that. So the 80-20 rule is 100% accurate in in that sense because like if you can just get a client to show up consistently and and just be consistent exactly what you're doing is is going to be very minute uh in terms of the detail like the really intricate things that you're doing with the client is going to produce about 20 percent if they're showing up that's 80 percent right there Mm -hmm. um 
And then in terms of that, if you, if you want a tactic for that motivational interviewing, anytime that you want to give a client advice, um, I love the framework that motivational interviewing goes over, which is elicit, provide, elicit. Um, so, you know, going back to the second you tell somebody what to do, they are going to push back on it. They're going to think you're being crazy or they're going to get defensive. Um, but if you follow this elicit, provide, elicit model, it breaks down that barrier, uh, those walls of defense. So elicit is ask for permission to give them advice, mm-hmm. provide the advice, and then ask for, uh, make sure that they're okay with what you just said. So elicit permission. So you would say something like, well, do you mind if I tell you something that's worked for a couple of other clients, right? Or, you know, I think I might have an idea. Do you mind if I share that with you? Um, provide, you'd say, well, a lot of other clients have tracked their food and, and seen that it's like shown some uh, discrepancies in what they thought they were eating versus what they're really eating. And you know, to be honest, a lot of clients have found that they're actually eating a thousand calories more than they thought they were. Um, and then you would finish with the last illicit route, like, it probably sounds crazy, but like, what do you think about that? And then again, you kind of get the conversation going that way versus listen, you really need to track everything that you're eating and weigh it by every bite of food that you had. But using that illicit provide illicit is a much softer approach that's going to let them bring their defense mechanisms down. Yeah, absolutely. It's too restrictive when you tell people the absolute of you have to do this. People just freeze up and the, the job doesn't get done. Yep. Absolutely. So how do you manage, um, like when you're doing the disc profiles with all of the, the new members and you said you have 400 members, how are you relaying that information to the trainers? Cause you're not training everyone. And then how, um, you know, how are they able to manage understanding how every, each of the 400 members responds to a certain type of coaching? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the model that we run here is our small group training model. So essentially the way that that works is uh, every client has their own program. So we still use uh, pen and paper uh, folders for every single client. Um, And so the way it works is they fill out that form. It's a digital form. It goes to our head trainer. He writes the personalized plan for each client. So our coach, Nick, writes the personalized programs. Um, He'll just make a little mark on the program, D-I-S or C. And so any trainer that is working with that client will just easily be able to reference the program and see where they are in the DIS or C. Okay. So when you're running a session, you've got six people in the session, you're looking at everybody's individual folder and you need to motivate them or you need to coach them. It's right there for them to see and just know kind of the way to push them. You know, most clients get a gen, you know, the coach is going to communicate them communicate with them effectively and just in a natural tone, but it's really when they need to get motivated or when they need to um, get that little extra that we tap into the DIS or C behavioral style that like the D's we're going to like make sure we push them. The C's we're going to do that explanation a little bit more of an explanation. Um, But that's kind of the approach that our trainers take because it's right in every single program. And -hmm. for us, it's just educating our coaches on, memorizing the approach to take with each DIS or C and um, you know, every coach that's kind of part of their onboarding and part of the coaching experience with us. Yeah. I love that, Devin. That's, that's great. Um, 
then I also know you had said earlier that you you came to the realization that you don't want the body to ever limit your population from being able to do what they want to do in life. Um, I know you've taken on, we've partnered on some stuff, but what are some of the other things you're doing to ensure that the body doesn't limit, you know, you're get you're creating change through making people consistent, coming to the gym, personalizing their programs based off of motivational interviewing and the disc profile. But then, um, some of the other things I know you're dealing when someone comes into you and they said they're dealing with some type like a common orthopedic issue that they're dealing with in the gym. What are some of the things that you've instituted to ensure that they're continuing to um, receive this this optimal um, service and you can keep people training through some of these injuries? Um, but also you have a great network around you, not just me, but making sure people feel that they're cared for and they can continue to reach you know, continue toward the progress that they want to without having to stop their time in the gym? Yeah. So a couple things. Um, so since really going all in on this uh, demographic of like the over 40 weight loss population, um, we have turned our sites towards a hundred percent low impact training. Now, what that means is we don't do any running, jumping or burpees. Um, I kind of looked at exercises like burpees and box jumps and really high impact training. And I, I was just like risk to reward ratio is out of whack for our demographic. We can get them the same result without the wear and tear on their joints and body. Um, so we just cut them out. And honestly, it's been a great sales tool because every mm -hmm. single client that I sit down in front of and I'm like, Hey, just so you know, we don't do any burpees here. Every single one is like, oh, thank God, I hate burpees. And we're like, yeah, we're going to yeah. work really hard, but we're just going to make sure that we're not, you know, really beating up your joints at the same time. So our large group classes is going to be high intensity, low impact. Um, so it's all going to be full body circuit training style, kettlebell, dumbbell, a lot of body weight exercises. Mm -hmm. We get our conditioning with sleds, uh, medicine balls, ski ergs, and air bikes. Um and uh, our small group training is all individualized. So if somebody does come in, we go over, hey, tell us about any injuries or aches and pains that you have. We've got shoulder-friendly approaches that we take, knee-friendly, low-back-friendly. Um, we connected with you, and it's one of our most popular programs is low-back. I mean, I think there's like 75% of Americans struggle with low-back pain or have had low-back pain. Mm -hmm. So anytime somebody tweaks their back or comes in with back pain, um, we have a special program that we partnered with you on that is like, you know, I think it's like a step below working with a physical therapist. It's like, Hey, we're going to make sure that you're moving and exercising really well. Uh, but you're not going to hurt your low back doing this. So mm -hmm. it's everything that we learned from you as a physical therapist that we can in incorporate under our watch here and just make sure our clients feel really good. Um, but as far as a network, I mean, we've got you guys who we always refer to precision performance, physical therapy. Um, the thing I love about your approach is you don't tell them to stop, um, which I think is really important is just making sure people stay moving no matter what. I mean, unless you have some sort of spinal injury, there's tip, there's, you know, typically some sort of exercise and some sort of movement that you can still do. Mm -hmm. Um, so working with you really closely, we've got a chiropractor, Goshen family chiropractor that a lot of people enjoy going to the chiropractor. So we refer to them. Uh, they're right down the road from us. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of our support network, you know, massage therapy and things like that. But, uh, 
you know, we, we bounce a lot of stuff off of you guys and you guys have been a huge help. Yeah. And I just think that speaks to the growth mindset that both we have is, you know, we're, we should be here to support each other as a small business. And, um, you guys are, and your you and your trainers are very educated on understanding the red flags of like a low back pain patient, where if somebody comes in and they're exhibiting these symptoms, no, you know what, we shouldn't see that you need to go get evaluated versus, all right, you're, you're not really exhibiting any red flags. We have this program that's worked in the past. Let's try this out a little bit. And if it doesn't work, um, then we'll consult with some of our, you know, our network of people. Um, but I think that's, that's the way a lot of the better fitness professionals are doing at this point. You have this great network around you. So the people feel supported and you're able to figure out if they have the red flags or not in need of referral out. But like you said, nobody should be, you know, in very few instances does not continuing to move, um, not help. Right. Um, sure. so many people with knee pain, hip pain, low back pain say they feel better when they move. It's just understanding how to tweak a program to make sure it's appropriate for whatever issue they're dealing with. And I think you guys do a great job of that. Yeah. And I think one thing that's also been really helpful is on that low back pain program, we have a QR code that goes to your like website and booking page. Mm -hmm. So if at any point we're working with a client that is having pain and they're going through this back pain program, we can just be like, listen, I think this is out of our scope. Like we, I think you should, you know, schedule a meeting with John yep. or somebody on his team. Absolutely. Um, nice. So as you've, um, you know, we've gone through your story, how you ended up where you are, what's been the most impactful lesson you've learned since you began your career. Now that you're 10 years into it, you're hitting 10 years this year. You've obviously pivot almost a complete 180 degrees from, the powerlifting hardcore strength scene to now the 40 plus fat loss scene um, and, and doing really well. So what's the most impactful lesson that you think you've learned over the last 10 years? So I'll give you two. Um, and they're kind of in different uh, channels. The first one was when I hired my first employee, Jeff, who's still with me today is our general manager. And we're actually partnering on uh, another brand that we're opening and gyms that we're opening. Um, when I, when I fi- hired him, I, at the time I was obsessed with my clients and all I cared about in the entire world was providing amazing results, amazing experience for my clients. Um, and one of the best lessons that I've learned and things that I've grown into is becoming a boss and a leader and just providing a really great work environment for my team. And it was when I hired Jeff that I realized like, this is what I need to be doing. So I kind of changed my mindset a little bit from just being a hundred percent client focused to being the best leader and boss and providing the most and best opportunity for my team. Um, and I think a lot of gyms, a lot of fitness professionals specifically, uh, don't do well by their employees and they don't do, uh, very good by their employees careers. Um, and I think it's part ego. They like being the star of the show. Um, and it's part scarcity and they think that nobody can do it as well as them. Or if they pay them this much, you know, that's all an expense. You have to look at it as an investment and just investing in your people and investing in, Hey, the more I give Jeff, the more time I can have to grow my business and to work on the business versus in the business. So that's been a huge one is always invest in, in your people and in, in my people, um, in business, especially if, if somebody's listening to this that is a business owner versus just a trainer, 
um, you're always going to have this two steps forward, one step back. You're going to grow. You're going to kind of hit the ceiling of that growth. And you're going to have to find a way to invest in something, whether it's a new system or a new uh, staff member or person where maybe your profits are going to take a hit. But if you do it well enough or you choose the right person, that's going to free up the time and, and bandwidth for you to get to the next level of growth. So it's, you know, you grow, you take a step back, bring somebody else in, right? That's going to do a great job and then you can grow again. But it's only if you take that step back and, and do that so that you can spring back forward. Um, so that's it. Investing in my team and just not being afraid to invest in my team and trusting my team. Um, and the other thing is I'm forgetting what the other thing was, was going to be <laughs> in terms of lessons. Um, oh, no, I remember. It's uh, really just going all in on your niche. Uh, if you try to be the best for everyone, um, you're just going to miss the mark. Uh, like I said, we rebranded um, because we were going all in on the adult fitness population. And yeah, we do train athletes, um, but it wasn't something that was a real uh, – you know, a real profit center for the business. It was really just, it, it was a good way to, you know, do some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so our main market, identifying our really, really main market and just, you know, what I call is like having a PhD in your people. So understanding your clients better than they know themselves, mm-hmm. um, understanding where they spend their time, the language that they speak. This is another thing that fitness professionals mess up. Speak the language that your clients are speaking. If your clients are speaking in, I want to tone up or I want to lose body fat off my arms or I want to like whatever language they are speaking, you have to speak that language. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of fitness professionals kind of scoff at like, oh, well, you you know that you can't burn fat off of your triceps by doing tricep extensions and like – you know, well, toning is dumb. You should be lifting weights. And it's like, great. You're smarter than your client. That's not going to do you any good. So if you can speak the same language and get them to buy in, then you can have a really, really strong influence. So that was a really big reason why we rebranded to, uh, you know, colors that aligned with our demographic, a name that aligned with our demographic, a logo that aligned with our demographic. Um, my my goal is to change lives and is to change the health of every single person that sits down in front of us that joins the gym. I can't do that if I can't get out of my own way by not changing my logo or not changing our image. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not serving the people that I want to serve by doing that. So going all in on your demographic, understanding what they need to see in order to actually serve them. Um, has been a huge lesson for me. Yeah. And, and I think you're doing a great job of changing lives. Just you're a gym of 400 members in the Westchester area and you're, you're crushing it right now because you're changing lives and you're thinking about these things um, that the average average trainer isn't. So um, I applaud you for that. Um, so you've made these great changes over the years. You've rebranded. You're thinking about all this stuff. What's next? You said you mentioned something about a new business opportunity that you're pursuing. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff and I are a partner, Jeff, my general manager and I are partnering on a new brand, Engage Personal Training. And, um, we're bringing in, we have Katie Boyle, who's going to be the facility leader for our first facility in Malvern. She's a Malvern native. She's a stud, unbelievable trainer, unbelievable person. I'm just 
I've probably never been more impressed by somebody than I have with Katie at, I think she's 23 years old. Mm -hmm. She has the wisdom and intelligence and knowledge of somebody in their mid thirties. She's just an unbelievable asset. Um, so we're really, really excited for Katie to open up this facility and, and, uh, grow this facility into something really special. But, um, really the, the, the reason behind expanding and, and going into this new market was, uh, I wanted to grow, you know, eventually we're going to be kind of capped out at gauge strength training in our one location. And I still want to help more people and do more with my life and my career. And, um, trying to duplicate everything that gauge strength training is would be impossible. We have so much going on here, adult fitness, athletes, supplements, large group, small group, one-on-one. It's, it's, it's a mess. It just, I mean, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, there's a lot of moving parts and to try to duplicate this massive operation would be very difficult, especially cause I can't duplicate myself who, you know, a lot of this is just in my kind of, in my vision. Yeah. Um, so we're taking one small part of what we do, our small group personal training, which is where our clients see the best results. We get the best feedback. It's just the best thing that we offer for our adult clients. And we're just opening a small, small group personal training studio. And that's the model that we're operating with. Um, and it's another opportunity for me to provide more opportunity for my staff. So Jeff is going to be a partner in this. So it's opportunity for him to continue growing in his career. Um, and I'm able to help more clients and really just that's, that's kind of the plan is to open these engage personal training studios. Um, the goal is to launch Malvern and, uh, if it works well to continue doing that and yeah, just continue growing our influence and helping other fitness professionals grow themselves personally and professionally by running great studios and, you know, mentoring them essentially. I love it. And I'm excited to see how that goes. It's going to, it's just exciting to see you grow. And, uh, you know, we've been friends and working together for my business is seven years old. And I think I just walked in one day and we, we kind of clicked. Um, but so it's been fun to see, see you grow. And now this new, new venture, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, but again, I think just to retouch on what you just said there and then prior is, um, making the fitness industry, giving your coaches an opportunity for a career instead of just paying them $20 a class where they're scraping by bartending at night, coaching, you know, fitness, a couple of classes during the day, I think investing in your people, the lesson that you learned in, you know, maybe your profit takes a hit for a little bit, but if you're creating a career for someone in fitness, that's only going to help to allow you to grow. They'll help you grow. Um, and I think the fitness, um, there, there's companies helping to, to guide people this direction, but I think the fitness tr- fitness industry needs more of let's create a career out of this, not just someone who likes to work out, tries to make a little bit of money, but then leaves because of burnout or they can make money somewhere else. I think what you're doing and helping provide careers for your employees is also something that um, hopefully people listening to this kind of take note on, maybe reach out to you for some advice and um, we can help make change and really see the fitness industry propel over the next decade because we're able to provide careers for people in this space. Yeah. And that's, yeah, and that's, that's something that I know, you know, 
been really been proud, proud of what we've done, done here. And I, I really I feel, feel like a good job of providing opportunity here. here. And, you know, listen, you know, listen, this is not a real business. business. A lot of times, you're gonna, you're gonna, as, a, as a staff staff, you're going to get out of it. Out of it. But it's, it's, if you are generating a value, you're doing, you're doing a great job. There's very little that's not, and you can't grow into it. You know, there's obviously the limits of the actual business, but. Um, you know, we want to, I want to make sure that I'm providing a good career and I don't want people to be really stressed about money and, and uh, having to work multiple jobs and doing that. So that's, that's kind of something that I really try to focus on. Absolutely. Um, so before we close out here, Devin, I have, um, a final five questions that, um, I didn't prep you for, and I just want to, I want to help you humanize you for a little bit for. For the people listening, especially some of your your clients that you have, um, you're going to coach your you know you're going out to coach a class. What would be your walkout song? Ooh, uh, Beastie Boys. Um, I say "Sabotage" by Beastie Boys. Okay, um, what's your favorite exercise? My favorite exercise is uh, barbell bench. Uh, as, as it should be. <laughs> I got really yeah. short arms, so it's always been a really easy <laughs> exercise for me. Um, all right. So if you, you specialize in the weight loss space, but if you had one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, Pika's pizza. Okay. Um, going off of that, what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, man. Um Guilty pleasure. I'm a big, uh, so I'm not a, I'm not a huge like sweets guy. I'm not a big like cake and ice cream person, but I love a good Costco pumpkin pie. So every fall I could probably eat an entire Costco pumpkin pie in a weekend. And I don't know if you've seen me, like they are massive. I'm a big Costco freak. But the pumpkin pies at Costco, I think, are the absolute best. And I always – I have to buy at least one every fall. I love it. It's great. Um, and then what's your favorite thing about being in the Philadelphia area? Um, I, you know, specifically Westchester, I just love – I fell in love with this town. Um, when I opened up here, I was still living in Reading. And I would just be here and I would walk around town and just the people that I met that helped me um, – make connections and the the first clients that I had. And I just fell in love with Westchester in general, um, Philadelphia. You know, I, I actually, I grew up in Massachusetts when I was young. So I still have a lot of love for like the new England, Boston area. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, I didn't have my, if my daughter was never born. I, I was planning on going back there and moving back up there after college, but um, Westchester specifically Philadelphia area is like whatever, you know, I, I kind of, mm-hmm. Like Boston more than Philadelphia in general, but uh, Westchester, I just love Westchester. It's a great small town. So many people support each other and love each other and know each other. And um, if it wasn't in Westchester, I don't know if I ever would have grown the gym because I think the people were really, really helpful and and really eager to help a young business owner in the beginning. And and I think that's shown with some of the the things that you've done um, for the community. I know you guys have is it a quarterly kind of community service project that you guys will put together a group of people from the gym and your coaches will go out and do some community service. 
Yeah. So every month we commit to either a fundraiser or a volunteer event. So yeah. just some, you know, we'll do a charity boot camp or we'll, you know, post support some local organization. Um, yeah, that's, that's something that's been a really fun uh, thing for us and just being able to use the the platform that we've built to do something good. Yeah. So you know, I think like the community gives back to the people that give back to it. So I think you've just done a great job in connecting with the community with some of the other stuff I know you've done. And, um, you know, I know the com- community appreciates that too, as you've become a leader in, in changing people's lives. Yeah. Well, it's been a fun, a uh, fun ride this far. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you hopping on Devin in the inaugural move Philadelphia podcast. Um, any closing words before we, we sign no, out? Like I said, man, I'm, I'm honored to be the first. Um, I know that, uh, I hope that a lot of people listen to this podcast because I know that you are so connected and have helped so many fitness professionals. Um, you know, sometimes I get a little jealous when I see other trainers go into precision performance cause you're like my guy, but, um, just the amount of people that precision performance has, has helped and clients that is, they've served. Um, I know that this podcast is going to do a lot of good because of all the, you know, connections that you've made and relationships that you've built. So I think it's a really good resource. And thank you again. I appreciate you, Devin, more than you could imagine. Thank you. Thanks, John. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes and they go such a long way. We really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media, talk about it with your friends, send it in a text message, whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitnessphiladelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia and have a great day.